Welcome to our podcast series called Five Questions, Five Answers, in which we explore a few very important and recent U.S. trade policies affecting thousands of companies. We have one goal in mind, to help you translate the legal into real-world business strategies. It's that simple. My name is Bridget Matisson, and I'm the Director of North American Manufacturing here at Aaron Fox in Washington, D.C. Let's start. Today, we're going to be talking electric mobility, from parts to trucks, from buses, transit cars, and all things in between. It's a hot topic these days. It's exciting. It's new territory, but it brings both risks as well as opportunities. The industry is global. It's supply chains critical. So we thought a discussion on the role of international trade rules might be, well, pretty timely. And this is especially true in an industry where new products seem to be developed almost on a daily basis, but regulated by a framework that almost seems outdated. How to close this gap is where this podcast will lead you. Little background, in July 2021, just over a year ago, the USMCA trade rules for the automotive sector introduced new requirements for companies, their customers, and their suppliers. Requirements which, if met, can save companies dollars and customers. So for these reasons, we're going to dive into the USMCA, or as many refer to it, the new NAFTA. And I've asked two of my colleagues how the USMCA can shape a company's competitive edge in a seemingly evolving U.S. marketplace. Tony Rivera and James Kim come to Aaron Fox from a key U.S. agency. That's Customs and Border Protection. They served as attorney advisors in CBP's Office of Trade Regulations and Rulings. And James also worked at CBP's USMCA Center. So I've got the right people on the right podcast for this very important discussion. I think I'm going to start with Tony. Tony, many listeners know the USMCA as the new NAFTA, but for the electric mobility world, what's new? Thank you, Bridget. That's a great question. Well, with the USMCA being a new agreement, many of the rules are a matter of first impression. They haven't previously been seen before in other free trade agreements. With the new rules, there's an increased focus on electric vehicles. EVs themselves have not previously been accounted for NAFTA and the new rules, including core parts, labor value content, and the higher regional value content requirement, make qualification all the more stringent, much more than in previous agreements. There is a silver line nonetheless. Because the rules are new and complex, a strategic application of them can result in a significant competitive advantage over competitors in the field. I would say this is particularly the case for the electric vehicle industry. Reaching zero emission targets in the U.S. and North America at large will face significant costs from tariffs unless they know how to apply the USMCA. Silver linings. That's what I like to hear. Turning to James, in this industry, the battery is all essential. Some estimate that the battery represents, what, 30 to 40 percent of an electric vehicle's value. But the United States still imports many of these batteries and their related parts from abroad. So how are batteries treated in the USMCA, James? And what's the current import tariff? And how will these increase over the next few years? Hi, Bridget. I'm happy to be here today, by the way. And I can definitely address that question for you. So I think the first thing that listeners should know is that 
the USMCA treats batteries as a core part, which means that the battery in light-duty electric vehicles must meet the rule of origin for that vehicle itself to qualify for USMCA. So in other words, the battery must qualify for the light-duty electric vehicle to qualify. Frankly, this can be rather tough to achieve on its own because the USMCA is ratcheting up the regional value content requirements for core parts like batteries from 69% today, which is already pretty high, to 75% by 2023. But there are luckily strategies in the USMCA, including things like supercore and averaging provisions that can make it easier for the battery and other core parts to qualify. So you might be asking now, what about heavy duty vehicles like trucks? Are they out of the woods if they use an advanced battery? Well, not quite. Batteries are not considered core parts for trucks, but by 2027, they will be subject to a regional value content requirement of 60%, which is still pretty tough to meet when a lot of its key components, like the cells, aren't being produced regionally. And trucks, unlike light-duty vehicles, are hit with 25% tariffs when imported into the U.S., which makes the battery's qualification that much more important. So all this is to say, when the battery is such a large portion of an electric vehicle's cost, you have to find value where you can so you can qualify your vehicle and avoid tariffs from dragging down your bottom line. And if you're a battery supplier, qualifying your battery for USMCA can be a big boon for your downstream customers like the OEM. Absolutely. So, Tony, back to you. I think you will agree that the term originating under the USMCA takes on a really important calculation, especially for this industry, it seems. So if the dollar value of the battery falls short in this calculation that James just described, is there a option B? Is there maybe option C? That's a great point, Bridget. As James noted, it does tend to be difficult to qualify the batteries under the USMCA due to regional value content requirements and various sourcing issues that the industry is currently facing. There is good news, though. Even in the situation where the battery itself does not qualify, there are still paths for qualification by OEMs. For one, non-qualifying batteries that undergo some processing in North America can potentially provide originating content through concept of accumulation, for instance, or they can take advantage of other tools such as Supercore and averaging. Likewise, they can attribute to labor value content even when the battery itself is not originating. Additionally, because originating batteries will be difficult to come by, the support from non-battery suppliers will be that much more important to this industry. Suppliers can really put themselves in a good position by understanding how they can help their EV customers satisfy the USMCA requirements. Collectively, whether from the OEM, battery supplier, or non-battery supplier perspective, there are two main assessments that need to be conducted based on the bill of materials of the general ledger to really get the competitive advantage for the product. Such analysis is really key to understanding the significant value that the USMCA provides to this industry. Yeah, I can see that. So James, you come to Aaron Fox from CBP and the USMCA Center. I promise you, I'm not going to ask you any inside baseball questions here, well, although I'd love to. But for today's purposes, what do you think is CBP looking for in terms of their enforcement strategy for companies in this industry? Well, Bridget, you know, having been at the ground level of USMCA implementation at CBP, I do have a little bit of insight into the subject. And what I can tell you is that CBP is taking USMCA enforcement very seriously, especially now that the so-called relaxed enforcement period has ended. 
So some of the things that might make a company more likely to be targeted by CBP includes things like previous non-compliance under the NAFTA or being audited in the past, new or different import behavior, or even other import compliance issues that have nothing to do with USMCA, but can lead to a USMCA verification, such as marking issues or classification and value errors. I did want to note that CBP is not the only agency that's keen on enforcing the USMCA. The Department of Labor is also gearing up to enforce the labor value content provisions in the USMCA that apply to automotive products. DOL is a new player in all of this, and what we know is that they're working very closely with CBP to make sure that companies claiming USMCA are following all of the rules. Back to you, Tony, for the last question in our Five Questions, Five Answers podcast. The USMCA is not alone in terms of the broader context of the trade environment. There are U.S. special tariffs apart from the USMCA that are also in play here. I'm speaking specifically of the 301 tariffs on what, almost all imports from China, including a number of products important to listeners to this podcast. Where is Washington on a process to reinstitute tariff exclusions and requests? Can a battery from China imported into Canada or Mexico be subject to these 301 tariffs as well? Yeah, Bridget, thank you for that question. Section 301 tariffs certainly add a layer of complexity and potentially significant cost to the electric vehicle industry when sourcing components from China. To recap for our listeners, the Section 301 China tariffs are an additional tariff of up to 25% that is imposed on most products of Chinese origin that are imported into the United States. Lithium-ion batteries, cells, modules, and arrays from China are all subject to tariffs, along with numerous other components that are potentially used in the production of electric vehicles. The good news is that the U.S. Trade Representatives has announced a comment process for reinstating certain product exclusions that would exclude these products from Section 301 tariffs, and these comments must be submitted to the USTR by December 1st of this year. However, the scope of this reinstatement is limited to only 549 types of products, which does not include batteries themselves, but does include other parts of interest to the electric vehicle supply chain, such as certain window regulators and air compressors. Beyond this reinstatement process, we are waiting to see if the administration will establish other procedures to avoid Section 301 tariffs. Adding to the complexity is that qualifying for the USMCA will not necessarily preclude a product from a Section 301 tariff, particularly being the case if the import from Canada or Mexico into the U.S. is considered a product of China with a classification subject to Section 301. This makes it extremely important for importers to understand the country of origin rules at play and the classifications of their products, both of which are essential to determine whether a product is subject to Section 301 tariffs and exclusion, or also to determine the eligibility of the product for the USMCA. I have like 10, 15 more questions to ask both of you, and I'm sure our listeners might as well. But thank you so much, Tony, and thank you so much, James. I'm going to summarize or try to summarize. The electric mobility industry and its supply chain is faced with one, a new set of trade rules, two, rules that are pretty complicated, three, a brand new federal agency that's new to the international trade environment, four, a completely novel set of labor calculation. And lastly, an agency, to use James's word, keen to enforce all of the above. For the purpose of this podcast and for all our listeners, I again want to thank James and Tony for their time. You've brought clarity 
And most importantly, you have brought strategy and options. And for that, we thank you. And to our listeners, we hope you have found this podcast useful. I know I did. If you'd like to speak to us or learn more about what we call our USMCA diagnostic, send me an email, BridgetMatison at AaronFox.com. You can also find me on our Aaron Fox website, Smart in Your World. For us, it's not simply a tagline.